Here I sit with the one, the only, Kevin Denny. It's me. Of Tenny's Pizza. Did you guys know Tenny's Pizza is a local organization that provides a lot for this community? You guys have, what, three stores? Three locations, yeah. yeah. We have one in uh, Saratoga Springs, one in Riverton, and then one in American Fork right over there by the Costco. Um, we're hoping you guys support us because, honestly, it's we're just locally owned and operated. So me and Bethany, the the person you listen to each and every week that laughs a lot, um, we co-own all three locations and we have owners that have families with us in all these locations. So um, when you guys support Tenny's Pizza, you guys support a locally owned and operated company that appreciates you. I mean, if you come in on a Friday night, you will see me and Levi in Saratoga. You'll see Alex up in Riverton, and you'll see BJ over there in American Fork. So I want to say thank you for supporting us through all these years since 2011, since Tenny's has been around, and we hope to be here a lot longer. So thank you very much for all all your guys' business. Stay local and support Tenny's Pizza. Thanks. Man, oh, I feel like we haven't done this for yeah. a long time. Well, it's been like months. The last episode we did, months? May? yeah, the last episode we did was Tara. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Oh, that was a long time ago. School was still in, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, free. And then we were supposed to do another one, and I just like I scheduled one, and then we dropped it. I don't even know what happened. I think we were our vacations. Our vacations were jacked up this summer, where we were always opposite. Like we'd be gone. Well, actually, you were just gone a lot. We were gone the entire month of July. Anyways, let's do, you know what, for this first episode of... Season, this is season, season three. three. We're this just going to talk about season. our vacations. Yes, do you want to talk, what did so you do? Awesome. <laughs> We had no. a good summer, though. It was I had a, a good, great summer. I had a good summer. It was a weird summer, actually, for me. And th- this is one the thing I wanted to tell you. I'm like, I actually, like, contemplated a lot this summer, like... This sounds so cheesy, but like <laughs> my life. And I'm like, what? Because I have my youngest going to kindergarten this year. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time in 19 years that all my kids will be in school. Even though it's only kindergarten, it's only a couple hours, you know, what, three hours a day. But first time in 19 years, I will not have a kid home. It's freaking weird. Wow. What's that going to be like? I don't know. I'm not like I'm. I'm not excited about it, but like I think you, it's good. I feel like you should be excited about this. No, I know I what? should. Come on. I the other day Freedom. I watched I watched a baby and I was like, I could totally have another baby. Oh my god. And then I'm like, oh wait, I'm almost 40 years old. I think I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> and Kevin's like, no way in hell are we having another child. <laughs> oh, you kill me. Yeah, if I if Freddie said to me, I think we're having another child, first thing I would say is, well, that's impossible. <laughs> that's what Kevin always says. Well, it's going to have to be with someone else. And then, so. and then, I'd, then I'd be like, why? I think, uh, so here's the problem. And this is what I'm thinking about, <clears throat> like, women in general. And this, I'm going off just my own thoughts. And just, like, I've talked to a few different people, women, about this. It's like, from when I was a kid, and part of, part of this is my religion, part of it's our culture. Right. When I was a kid, it was like, 
you know, you grow up, maybe go to college after high school, but the goal is to get married and have babies. Yep. Like that was it. My mom had 10 kids. My sisters all did that. Like that's what you do. Yep. Like me going to college wasn't even like pushed Mm. because it was like, no, 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 you stay home and you be a mom. And so then I think that became like my identity. I'm a mom. This is what I do. And I, I've worked, I've worked our whole marriage, but it's always been like with Kevin or from home or it's part time here. You know what I mean? I've never like totally gone out and had this it's job this, that was about me. It's one dimensional. Yeah. Yeah. And so I always wonder, I'm like, what do other, I bet there's a lot of moms out there that, because now, so now I'm to a point where it's like, okay, my kids are all going to school. I've got one adult child. My daughter turns 18 in like a month, two months. And I'm like, my life is like completely changing where now they don't need me as much, even mm-hmm. though they need me. It's just different. You know, they need emotional and stuff, but they don't need me to feed them and get them dressed and right. bathe them and that kind of stuff. And so I just thought, so now what? Like now I need it. I need my, I need to feel fulfilled every day because that's how my brain works. So when you say fulfilled, what are you talking about? Like what do you define fulfillment like, the way you see it? I guess the way I see it is um, I need to do things that are for me every day. And that doesn't mean that's all I'm going to do in a day or things that are for me. But like, and I've said this on here before, but I wake up every day and I've kind of slacked the summer and read for like 20, 30 minutes and just read something that's just for me. It's such a good habit. It's not even about like being a mom or being, it's me. It's like, how can I be a better person? It has nothing to do with everyone else. Yeah, because, I, and this is something that I think is that unique to the human experience and not just moms and women is we are constantly trying to define who we are over and over and over. Yes. And that definition process, that growth process, is easy to get lost in when you're not seeking fulfillment, when you're looking for like success, when you're looking for notoriety, or when you're actually just got done talking uh, in a session about uh, the three C's of shame, comparison, complaining, and competition, and how if I get lost in comparing myself to other people or competing or uh, complaining or even contention, right? Like those things are going to bring me down and make me believe that I'm less of a person than who I am. So if I start to say, well, I'm a dad and look at all these other dads. I'm not like those other dads. I'm going to feel shame. And I think what I hear you saying is you're trying to figure out how to navigate your story, create happiness, fulfillment, contentment for yourself that doesn't with, rely on my kids or my husband. Yeah, that it's yours. It's yeah. yours only, and it doesn't have anything to do with anyone else. And that's, I. it was funny, because not very long ago, Kevin and I were talking. It was when we were having that conversation about passion, and I was like, I'm not passionate about things. Oh, I remember, remember the conversation. <laughs> yeah, you're so full of shit. So but then I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, well, I need, if I need to go to school, or I need to do something, so that way I can make a lot of money. So I can, like, contribute to our family. And Kevin's like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> He's like, why do you have to go, like, why do you, why does your goals or your whatever have, have to do with money? He's like, 
you know, money is like a byproduct that's, that's great if it happens. He's like, but you need to enjoy or same kind of find fulfillment in what you're doing. And so as soon as like, I kind of shifted that, like, okay, you're right. I'm not the breadwinner in the family and that's okay. That doesn't mean I will never be, but at this point in time, I'm not. And that's not my goal. But I, ha- I do need things that where it's like, it's mine. So I just think there's probably a lot of women out there who are going through the same things where it's like, oh, my kids are starting school, which at first you're like, yay, this is awesome. And then they leave and you're like, oh, shit, what do I do now? <laughs> like, I don't want to clean the house all day. Screw that. I don't want to just cook. Hate that. <laughs> it's my least favorite thing to do. So what? Okay. There are tons of socially constructed norms for women. And we're just, let's talk about women. Let's just keep this train going. Thanks. I like this. I like this. I like this. This, this is, is great. Fun. This is great. Okay. So what are the socially constructed norms for women in your, in your eyes? I don't know. What is a woman supposed to be? Um, I guess for me. Social, so this is not for you. So this is socially I, constructed. Socially constructed. Meaning like what does our culture, what do gender norms say, what does society say, what do religious I, views say? I feel like around here, and yeah. it's changing. Like I feel like generationally it's changing. But for a long time it's been you're, if you're a woman, you're a mom, and you stay home, and you cook, and you clean, and you take care of kids. Now that's been going on for, you know, I don't know how many generations and I feel like it's changing, but it's still kind of expected. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like even if I were to go to work in my mind, I would still think, well, I got to make sure I do this, this and this because that's my job, you know? Have you heard of the woman's double bind? No. What is that? Okay. Double bind is where basically you're screwed either way. (laughs) So this is how it works for women. Stay at home mom. She doesn't work hard enough. She doesn't provide for her family. Mama goes to work. She doesn't stay at home with her kids. She doesn't take care of her kids good enough. How do you... Ne- like, I'm a guy. I don't have that problem. I really don't. Like, I know my role. My role is I need to be able to give something to someone else. That's a man's responsibility. I provide things. That's a man's role. Whether that's good, bad, and different, that's the socially constructed role that I'm in as a man. Women have this impossible expectation where you feel like for you, it's, I got to stay home. I got to take care of the kids. I got to be this person who's a nurturer. And then there's other women who feel like I got to be a provider and that's what I'm supposed to do. And I got to do all these things. Maybe there's probably other things too. And either but how way, do you, you're how do you judged by someone yeah. or another. For how do way. you let go of that? How do you say, screw that? Or I don't know, accept it. I don't it. know. And I, th- <clears throat> I think that's what I'm working on because... I don't feel like I'm either one. I I don't. So you can be both. Yeah, because for me, I don't I don't want to be home, and that's not a, a negative on anybody that chooses that. That doesn't work for me, and that's what I'm realizing. It's like I can't because at first I was looking to other people mm. for like, okay, well, what do you do? What <clears throat> do you do? You know what I mean? Like I talk to friends, talk to my sisters, and I'd be like, well, you know, what do you do to to make yourself to be happy, to feel like, you know, your life is what you want it to be. And the more I talked to them, the more I'd realize, like, that's awesome, the, the paths they chose. But I'm like, that is not me. Like, I want to be there for my kids because that's, that's something that's always been important to me. But I need more. I have to find more. I have to find, I love to learn. I love to read. I love to do. And so when I quit chasing like this, 
Um, I need to help provide for our family. I feel like I've started to finally find like a happier space. Cause the word, I think the word provide is such an interesting word and, and getting to the root of what it means is important because I think in general we could replace provide with contribution, giving back, making something greater than myself. And I think if we were to redefine provide with contribute, I think things would change because that role of contributor, think of how much easier that is to fill. That can mean so many things. And actually, when you look at the human needs model, the second highest human need is actually contribution. So maybe we're asking the wrong question. What can I provide for people? Maybe it's what can I contribute to the world or what can I contribute to my family or what can I contribute to myself? And I think that's a good question for you right now. Like, what are you contributing and what do you want to contribute? This turned into therapy. I know, I kind of like it. <laughs> I, have, I think that's a problem when we don't do this. I'm like, I don't have therapy. I'm not in therapy right now. So what? Well, you got to turn it on me too though, okay? So we'll make it in a minute. No, I, I think that's really good. And I think... Well, what are you contributing? Okay, so what I, are you contributing right now? I contribute. What do I contribute? I mean, I work part-time, and then I clean my house, and I cook for my kids, and I drive them all over God's green earth every day of their lives. <laughs> I'm in the car a lot. Well, that's what you do. What do you contribute? This really is therapy. I don't know. Well, what does that mean? It. Well, it's good. What do you think contribute means? Like what I give. What contribute to me means... Okay. I do something and then it grows. I give back. And then that thing that I'm giving to has a value to it and is allowed to get bigger. I mean, I just defined being a mother, Bethany. I know, what, so what the but, freak? But, but, what, but now what do you <laughs> do? But like, I think there's an important question for human beings in general. Okay. Is what are you contributing? Really recognizing that... I think human beings contribute way more than they realize. What we are giving to this world, let's say I'm going to freaking Starbucks and picking up a coffee or something like that, right? Okay. Okay. I'm going to talk to the guy. I'm going to be a total asshole. Give him a freaking frown. Where's my food, right? What am I contributing? Literally nothing. Now, I go in there with a contribution mindset. I'm going to contribute to the world around me. What am I, what's, my, what's the different experience for me now? I'm going to go in. I'm going to be in a better place. I'm going to smile at the guy. I might leave a little tip. I might smile at the guy behind me. Who knows? But this mindset of contribution changes the way that I view the world and changes how I do what I do, not necessarily what I do. What do you think of that? Oh, I like that. Like because I, you contribute a lot. When I go to work in the morning, it's I'm a morning person, and I, I love that I'm a morning person. I mean, not a 5 a.m. morning person, but, you know, a little bit later. But... I love to walk in and like be loud and like mess with everyone and get people to laugh. Like, and it's a fun part to my morning when I walk into work. And so, yeah, but I've never thought about that. It's Cause like, now, cause now you go to work and it's not just, I'm making whatever, making cogs or whatever. You're making pizzas, pizzas. or me like talking to people, <laughs> right? Like I'm literally contributing to well, people, and to I, humans, to existence. It's funny too, because it's like, people will ask me like, because I go work at our pizza place every day. I right. mean, I make pizzas a lot. That's kind of what I, I mean, I do other stuff too, but that's partly what I do every day. And people ask me like, well, do you like your job? I'm like, I love my job. 
Like it is, it's not what I ever thought I would enjoy doing. And it's because the people, it's because I love who I work with and we have fun and it's great. And anyway, so yeah, I've never thought about that. That makes me feel a little better. Thanks, Matt. You're welcome. Therapy right. session. Check. Done. <laughs> That'll be $90. No, just kidding. no but it was funny because <coughs> I was actually thinking about this today because kids are going back to school, right? Yeah. This week. And I thought, I, I think of my own kids and I think, oh my gosh, they, they are so ready for school to start. They're losing their minds. They're so bored. They've been, they played hard and now they Dude. sit around and are bored. My kids and are so bored. Right? And they get ornery. I want to strangle them half yep. the time. Because, and then they start Not to bug really. each other. They just get mean. And I just thought, oh my gosh. So like every mom and dad is looking forward to their kids going back to school and like a schedule and all this. But then I thought, oh my gosh. But we do the same thing. Like as adults, sometimes we oh. get bored. I'm like, why don't we do the same things for ourselves that we do for our kids? Like a little bit more structure, a little more like... Okay, here's, I'm going to set some goals of some things I want to accomplish in the next week, month, year. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's like, and I feel like anytime you start to do those things, it just, it makes your life feel complete. Like you're doing something for you. Well, and I think there's this phenomenon of January, right? I mean, I'm sure we'll even tap into that when it comes January. Like, new year, new you. Like, that's what people do. But why is that just reserved for a new year? Why not right now? This is there's always an opportunity for growth, and to find a new thing to fine tune in your life. I hate overhauls. I hate them. Oh, where you're like completely changing your I whole life. I hate overhauls. They don't stick, and people are totally they're obsessed with the overhaul. They come in, they're like, okay, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna change. The worst is diet because I actually help people with their diets constantly, and you do too. Mm-hmm. People want to change their diet. What do they do? I'm gonna take out. Every single thing that's a carbohydrate in my refrigerator, and I'm gonna go balls to the wall, freaking paleo slash um, clean simple eats keto. slash keto slash no food for a month, intermittent fasting. Go, and then no I've one does it. <laughs> right? Well, I, I just named off all the ones I've no, done. No, but it's honest, but everybody goes all or nothing, right? It's true. It's like it, all in or it's complete shit in their fridge. In what area? Besides life improvement, does anyone ever do that? Name one. Yeah, I don't know any. Unless your engine completely breaks down on your car, you never overhaul it. What do you do? You maintain it. You put oil in it. You fix little things here and there and everywhere. You want to know when you need an overhaul on your engine? When you don't do the little things. When you're not maintaining, when you're not reading your book in the morning, when you're not taking care of you and putting yourself first, you have to do the overhaul thing. And that's why people, I think people burn out. Because they feel like the only way for me to change my life is to overhaul. I don't think that's bullcrap. Well, so I then, think right now we can do different. And then people get to this point, like when you talk about diet and stuff, they get to this point, or even exercise, where it's like, oh, well, now I'm way too fat. Or now it's like I would have to change everything I eat. Yeah. Where the reality is, like you start doing a few things at a time <clears throat> and you know, start adding fruits and vegetables into your diet. Start taking out some of the sugar. Start like little bits here and totally. there. Then when you go to like tighten it up a little bit, because you're like, uh, I'm going on a trip and I want to look a little bit better. It's not this drastic no. change. It's just like changing a few little things to fix well, it. And going back to your contribution thing we were talking about, like what are you trying to figure out for your identity as kids leave off to school? I think this applies just as well. Maybe you and all these other people out there, men, women alike, are doing better than they think they are. 
I think the overly critical view of myself is the overhaul mentality is more of a problem than a solution because I think people are generally actually doing really well in life. That's my, that's 100% my optimistic view of the world. And I think if people accepted that about themselves, change would come easier. No, I totally agree. I'm reading this. The book I'm reading right now is Eckhart Tolle. Yeah. Dude, that guy's intense. He's gnarly. He is intense. I love him. Yeah. I listened to him on Oprah, and that's why I bought his book, because mm. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. my gosh. Dude, he, Oprah has the gems. I know. If you guys don't listen to the Oprah podcast, the Super Soul Super Sunday. Super Soul Sunday. So good. Super Soul Conversations, I think it is now. Yeah. Oh. And he's, like, intense. He's very, it's very deep, but it's super cool. He talks a lot about identity, which that's helped me a ton, because he's just like, people get into these identities, and you can't. You can't break free of them. Mm. You think this is who you are. He's yeah. like, that's not who you are. It's just what you do. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's right. Like, totally. yeah, I'm a mom, but that's not it. That's, that's not my identity. Like, I'm still me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Totally. It's been, it's been weird, but awesome. Because I feel like, like I said, a lot of people, as your kids start to leave the house and you start to have these changes, if that's your identity, if you've decided that's who you are, you're going to break down. Like, yeah. shit's going to hit the fan because... Your identity is gone. It's over. So that's why I'm like, I feel like for me, I keep making these like subtle changes of like, okay, I have a little bit more time. My kids are a little more into their things. So let's add this. I can add this. That's you know, cool. it's just like a little thing here and there. So it's not a crapshoot at my that's house. That's good. I need to do better at that right now because we're trying to figure out like so many things. I think my problem is is I do one too many things at a time. And it's really not one. It's like 17 (laughs) too many things at a time. And so the the little things that I'm talking about, like the maintenance stuff, I neglect. And uh, one of the things I'm really trying to do a lot better with right now is simple meditation. I know we've talked about this before, but I'm just tell a quick story about my weekend and how I'm a shitty person, and you're going to love it. (laughs) Yes. So... Friday, oh, what was it? Friday evening, I come home. I had a rough day. Friday was brutal at work. I've, it's just, it's hard right now. So I come home, and it had just taken a lot out of me, and I was tired, and there was this expectation that I felt on myself that I can't feel what I'm feeling, and so I like put all this pressure on me to like not be bummed out and sad because I was feeling really sad because of the stuff I was dealing with. And so I tried really hard to not be sad. I tried really hard to just like push through it, kind of grin and bear it. And it just festered and festered. And I became kind of tired and I got a little bit grumpy. And then we hung out Saturday night. I mean, you saw me Saturday night. I was kind of bumming like more than normal. You were like quiet. Yeah. And I'm not a quiet person. No, I was like very pensive. I know. I, then, I didn't even hardly see you, actually. No. And we were, like, in the same room. <laughs> no. No, I, because I was just, like, in my head a lot. And my problem was that I, that I was able to figure out was I was not allowing myself the space to think. I was pushing away my thoughts. I wasn't practicing what I preach because I literally tell people to do this every day. And so Sunday... Uh, we go out on the boat or whatever. I like, I, like, get mad at one of the kids for some dumb reason. And I just remember sitting there thinking, like, what in the heck am I doing? Like, this is completely contrary to who I am. And so I came home, and I literally, I swear, I took 10 minutes, and I just sat. 
And all I did was just a normal meditation thing that I've done a hundred thousand times. I put the Calm app on and just listened to it and just breathed and was able to connect to me. And I just had this immediate, like almost a revelation. It's just like, number one, the reason why I do things is because I love people. That's awesome. That's a good thing. It's okay to be hurt and sad. And it's not okay to take out your frustrations on other people. And I just was like, oh yeah, duh, I know this. And I got up and I kid you not, it was the coolest thing. My whole entire mindset just changed in like an instant. I should have done that way earlier. Maybe it was the right timing. I don't know. There was three days of garbage that my family had to deal with. But I, I in that moment, I was like, I need to do the maintenance, the the meditation maintenance stuff way more. Because for me, that is unbelievably crucial to just take 10 minutes for myself once a day. And, and so that's my only goal for the next six weeks. I have no other goals. Yeah, I love that. I, only goal. One of the this, uh, Audible I listen to, I'm always listening to like five books at a time. They talks about that. And it even says, because it talks about how sometimes as a parent, there isn't a place, like say in your home, to go and meditate or just to like breathe. Sit, yeah. And she says in the book, she's like, sometimes go to the bathroom, lock the door, turn on the fan, and relax. <laughs> Cause, and I thought, and I've done that before. Cause oh, totally. Sometimes there is no place in your home, I mean, this is at my house, where I can be left alone for a minute. No. And even the bathroom's pushing it sometimes, that, you know, they'll still Especially come by if, me. If <laughs> like, I'm. Where are you? But it's yeah. typically the place that no one wants to come and find it's you. It's true. So I thought, I think that's super cool because it is, it will eat at you like that negativity. It is a part of who we are. Not that we're all negative, but these stories, these thoughts, these negative emotions, they're going to come. That to. is completely natural. We have yeah. to have them. So we just have to learn to deal with them better. And like you said, you keep, you do these meditating things or you just take, even yeah, five minutes to go breathe, like do some breathing exercises that completely calms you down and it can cleanse that instead of just pushing it away, pushing it away until you just blow up on someone. Yeah. A phrase that I use all the time that I wish I would have just thought of is lean into it, lean into whatever you're feeling, whatever's going on, instead of pushing away, lean in and just, and just whatever's happening, just experience it because who knows what's there this constant resistance to whatever's going on you're not learning anything and all you're doing is keeping the same cycle going without allowing for anything around you to influence you by resisting and and um so anyways yeah so that's my old that's literally my only goal right now 10 minutes meditation today i think that's awesome i'll let you know how it goes i was gonna say you saw me this weekend when i had to just scream for a minute i just scream i just came and yelled and I just <laughs> let it all out. And then I was fine. That's I'm true. like, sometimes you got to like scream at someone you for do. a second. And then you're like, okay. So well, I agree. I think it's awesome. You got to have your tribe too. who you can go to and be like, listen, here's why my life right now is garbage. I'm pissed and you're all going to listen to Sit me. Sit down. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing and to do with you. You guys are great because as soon as I, I saw you, I was like, yes, <laughs> quack and bushes are here. I can yell and scream and be pissed for a minute. Oh, man. And then so like, funny. oh, life is good. I'm good now. Well, so on that kind of note, like, okay, let's just family it up real quick. Because family is so awesome and amazing and tough. And like, 
I'm in this spot right now where I love my family and my relationship with them is improving, but I am not in the same role that I was before because of where I'm at with church. I, I'm not Mormon anymore. I don't go. Family still is. This is a touchy subject. I might even piece some people off talking about this, but I know a lot of people are trying to navigate this thing with their own families. And I know you guys navigate your own stuff with your own families. Mm-hmm. How is it that we human beings are able to better belong in our families and not need to fit in so much? What, how, how do we create that? Would you have any ideas on this? No, but it was interesting. My sister came over, well, a couple of my sisters came over a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking, and... I don't remember how it came up, but it came up to be like when you finally get comfortable with who you are, which is not an easy thing to get to. And I don't know that I am a hundred percent comfortable with who I am, but I don't think I've, anyone is. I've come a long way yeah. and I am finally like really happy in my life where I'm happy in my marriage. My I'm happy with my kids, even though they're hard. It's not easy. And I'm happy with the decisions I've made thus far to get where I'm at in life. Mm. And so when other people, I used to worry so much about people judging me or what they think or what, and I just am getting a lot better at not worrying so much. It's like Brene Brown always says, she says you should have like a tiny little card of the people you care what they think of you, right? And I'm working on that tiny little card where it's like there literally should be only a handful of people that mm-hmm. you care what they think of you and everyone else just doesn't matter. And not that they don't matter, but it, their they, opinion of you doesn't yes. inform your well being, inform yeah. your opinion of yourself. Because if you let the whole world decide, you know, judge you and decide, make you decide who you are, you will always be miserable. That will never work. So you have to pick like those few immediate people that you're like, okay, these people know me, they love me. They're the ones I'm going to care. If, they're talking to, if they have an opinion on what I'm doing in life. And so even then, sometimes you got to work on it. That's so, okay. So I, I had a session the other day with, I'm working with some, uh, this um, teenager person. And this person is trying to figure out life, right? And he's in, um, he's in sports and he didn't get picked right? Like he's not on the first string or whatever. And I'm sitting there talking to this kid and I can just see he's so depressed and he's kind of sad and he just feels left out, you know, like kind of ostracized and kind of, I don't know if he's like feels picked on, but just feels like, man, I, I don't belong where I'm at. And I think about that idea, how, Middle school, high school, elementary school, 36 years old, 55 years old. That is always a thing. That doesn't go away. We're like telling all these kids, and I'm, I'm sitting here preaching to these kids, don't worry, it gets better. You're going to find out all this stuff. I think that judgment of being accepted by people is always there. I think we get better at dealing with it, but that definitely exists in my world today. I think, too, it's a matter of, being confident in who you are. Right. It's like the whole back to Brene Brown. Like you finally belong when you don't belong anywhere, when you belong everywhere. That's huge. And I, I honestly didn't really understand that when she first said that until I was at something, an event of some sort. 
walked in and usually you're like looking for someone to talk to, right? Like, who am I going to hang out with? Or play on my phone and pretend like I'm busy. And I just like sat there like, I don't, I'm, I'm good. I don't need to have like a group of people around me. I'm just, I'm good. I'm happy where I'm at. And I'm just, I'm happy with who I am. And eventually, obviously I was talking to people and stuff, but it was the first time that that saying finally clicked. Like yeah. when you're fine, when you're okay with you, you belong everywhere. Yeah, it just works. It's you are only free when you realize you belong no place, every place, no place at all. The price is high. The reward is great. Yeah. And it, it is. It is a really, so really deep. good feeling. Oh, it's amazing. It's so freeing. And right? I didn't understand it until, yeah. I, until I felt it. Yeah. And then I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. But I wouldn't say that it happens all the time. I feel like it's something I'm constantly working on because totally. there are still those times that I'm like, I feel left out or I f- everyone's talking about all these things that I'm not involved in and I get tired of it. I yeah. get tired of being the one on the outside, you know? Well, and, and, and there's maybe, so I do, I do this super cool therapy called internal family systems, which basically believes is like breaking your psyche down, like your thinking down into parts. Okay. So there's a part of me who's still inside here who is, in seventh grade and he is trying to earn the affections of the girls and has, has a zitty forehead and the kids make fun of him and he gets D's in school. There's a kid in there. Cause I was really that seventh grade. My poor Ezra is going to seventh grade. Now I'm terrified for him. That was the <laughs> worst school year of my life. I teach her Mr. Rogers if I saw him today, I'd be like, screw you, Mr. Rogers. You were the worst <laughs> teacher. He was horrible. If my mom hears this, she's going to like totally nod her head. My mom and my grandfather came into my class to find my homework because he didn't give it back to us. He threw it on a table. It was just a big pile of homework. It was horrible. Anyways, so I'm seventh grade. Part of me is very judgmental and very insecure. And he pops his head up every time he's triggered by something that reminds him of those days. And that was a very formidable time in my life. So when I feel like I don't fit in, when I feel like I need to fake it to make it like I had to then, that seventh grade voice comes up and he's going to tell me something to do that a seventh grader would say, like, just fake it or pretend or don't, you know, oh, nobody likes you. You should, you should try something new. Like, you can't be yourself around these people. Like, that's his voice and that's how he talks to me. And recognizing his voice and understanding he has needs too. This part of me has needs too. Me, who I am, can help that seventh grader feel okay. Because the seventh grader doesn't get it. He's going to be forever trying to please people. I don't have to feel like I need to please people. My well, part I, of me does, but I don't. Too, I think that brings up a huge thing where our kids, like you say, that seventh grader still inside you. Okay, well, I have teenagers. Mm-hmm. I have two junior high kids. I have a high school kid. I've got college. I've got all these ages. And the thing I've recognized is I, my life is different, right? I grew up different. How I was raised, how I handled things, how everything was very different, even from my husband, who his life was different. His hardships were different than mine. So of course my kids are going to be different. They're going to go through different things that maybe I didn't experience, you know? And so I feel like that's something, something that's helped us a lot has been having our kids talk to someone else. Mm-hmm. 
So therapist, obviously they come to you because that's who we are. (laughs) But like just having another adult that's maybe not their parent that they can talk to, that they can be open with, that they can have these conversations with. Because otherwise, like you said, that for one, it never goes away completely, but at least you learn how to handle it. Totally. Instead of just suppressing it, right? 100%. Because that judgmental part of me that's still there that began at seven in seventh grade, I didn't learn how to deal with that judgmental part of me until I was an adult. Yeah, me too. That These sucks. kids don't have to do that. Yeah. These kids can learn how to deal with that judgmental part of themselves now. Yeah. By just talking to somebody, by trying to figure stuff out. And, it, and, I, and this is not a, like an infomercial for come to Matt for therapy. Like that's not it at all. No, but it, I've just it, noticed. It's more people. Throughout the years, it's yeah. been very necessary for all of my kids. Well, and, and I, I have, I think, gotten really good at vetting friends because I know my friends help me raise my kids. You guys definitely help me raise my kids. Our, our kids are downstairs right now talking, yeah. influencing each other, right? I actually had Ezra tell me the other day that he's told Brinley more things than he's ever told anybody in his entire life. He, it, those are our kids, yeah. right? Like who you associate with freaking matters. Ezra goes to Kevin for advice. He goes to Levi for advice. He yeah. goes to, he obviously goes to family members and my dad and stuff like that. But there are periods of time where you have these really close relationships and you're missing out on a lot if you don't open your kids up to the views of other people. And hopefully the views of other people are similar to yours if you're good at vetting people. Well, and, <laughs> and I that's would what say, you gotta do. Yeah. I like we've had many, many conversations where we'll be sitting around as adults, our oh. friends, and our teenage kids want to sit and talk with us. Oh yeah. And I feel like that is not the typical thing. And it's been Awesome. And we have real conversations. We talk about things that I'm sure most adults would be like, I would never tell my kid that. It's like, well, let's be real. They know, they know more than you think they do. Yeah. It was like, even when we were in Lake Powell this summer, there was a couple of times that we sat around and just had some deep conversation with, with the kids about what's going on. What do you think? What's, you know, what's going to happen the next few years in your life and what's happened to us I think that's another thing too. I mean, trying to stay with this thought process, but yet my mind wanders a lot is I feel like a lot of times as parents, as an adult, we don't, we don't want to tell our kids the bad things we've done. Right. We don't want them to know all the negative things. And I'm not saying I've told my kids everything I've ever done. And I don't, there's a time, there's an age, but as they get older and they have certain things, I've opened up to them about things that have happened to me and things that I've done and mistakes that I've made because I feel like if they look at me like, oh, well, my mom's never done anything. She's never, it's like, no, 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 that's not true. Here's where I messed up. Let me tell you how it affected my life. And now you get to choose. I'm not going to tell you you can't do that, but I'm trying to guide you totally. and teach you from my, my mistakes. And one of the, the best questions... I think you could possibly ask is what does it mean to be a human innately to be a human means you make mistakes. My humanness, I come into contact with the moment I accept the mistakes that I've made as part of who I am. If I don't do that for my kids, they're going to think they can't accept who they are either. They need to reject their mistakes. They need to be perfect. They need to be something that they're not. But as you, I mean, you're, your great example is you own your humanity, which is your mistakes and your frailties and all the stuff and all the things that make you human that also 
juxtapose and compared with or balance out all the amazing stuff you do, the kids can do that too. And that's something, as a teenager, the number one job of a teenager is to find out who they are in the world. Their relationship to the world, that's done through a social mindset, right? That's why their friends are so important. Um, but I'm reading this book right now. Um, oh, I can't remember the name of it. Shoot. But basically, the entire book is about the... the he did, It's this doctor, there's a couple doctors, and they do this giant study about family and about delinquent teenagers and how all of that has come about and what basically has been the problem. And he says, we rely so much, um, children rely so much on their social interactions that they've lost touch with their familial interactions. And if you can find a way to create a social interaction with your child... That will change the way that they view the world for the rest of their life. And he gives all these examples where you become, and it's not a friend, right, but you are a social or a part of your child's social life, not just a part of their family life. But the social life doesn't have to just be kids. He can have a social relationship with you. He can relate to you. He can understand you. She can understand you. And the way to do that is exactly like you're saying. Be a human being. Own your mistakes. Be very transparent about what's going on in your life right now. Biggest thing that's on my kids' mind right now is we're thinking we're we're trying to like maybe move, and as is freaking out, he is terrified. He does not want to move because he has a group of friends here, and so we have these very open conversations about what it means to move and what transitions are like. I'll tell you right now, moving is traumatic for kids. It's huge. I literally core traumas that I work with with people who have significant PTSD, some of their core traumas were from moving when they were little. So it's not a, it's not a small thing. That's why we stayed in our house for so long. It's true. <laughs> well, no, I, I have these clients and they'll move like three or four times and that's like their, that's like the stuff we work on and they have this gnarly PTSD later in life. I, it's, it's crazy because friends and social structures are so important. So for us, creating this relationship with him where... It's not even really about trust. It's more, it's more just about that he feels connected and safe and understood, which breeds trust. That's the most important thing that we do with any of our kids as parents. And I think people lose sight of that big time because there's, it's busy and there's so many things that we're trying to do. And being real with them is the first and most important step to doing that. So I, I think that's awesome. But I think, and I'm kind of going in full circle here, I feel like... How, how can you possibly help your kids on becoming who they should want, you know, are hoping to become right. if you still don't know? So it's like if I'm almost 40 years old and I'm still like, I don't even know where I fit in this world or how I contribute or whatever, how can I teach my kids to do that? So that's something I feel like as adults, like, you know, it's yes, it's not January, but it's a new school year. It's new. Things are changing. Things are moving forward. So... I feel like we have to work on ourselves and continue to better ourselves so that way when our kids start having issues or need help, we can actually be there instead of being so wrapped up in who figuring out who we are totally. that we can't even help them. Modeling, 100%. 100%.-hmm. Um, question. You really have a question? Uh-huh. For you. <laughs> oh Tough, boy. Harder questions, OK? Yes. How, how's life since Bridie? I know it's been, what, like two years? Three and a half years. Three and a half years? Sorry, I knew that. Three and a half years. No, you're fine. Um, it was actually interesting. Kevin was saying the other day 
I think we were driving home from Lake Powell or something, and he was like, I feel like I'm, like, finally to, like, a really good place. You know what I mean? He's like, I don't cry about it all the time. I don't... And it was interesting because I'm like, that's true. I don't... I mean, for years, like, probably only the last, like, six months, I, cr- I cried every single day. And I, I don't anymore. That doesn't mean I don't cry. doesn't mean I don't get sad. doesn't mean I don't have moments that I'm, like, still, you know, maybe pissed or bitter or whatever. But I think I've... I don't know. I've been getting into Buddhism a lot. Like I listen to that Buddhist podcast and so I've been rad. reading stuff. It's, it's so rad, people. Like if it's you, super calming. It's and just, so good. And so for me, that's been that's been really helpful. You know, I know everyone has their thing they turn to. Right when you go through trauma, some people turn to religion. Some people turn. Some people turn to drugs. Some people turn. Like everyone has their thing. And for me, like none of that worked. And so I've kind of turned to finding my own spiritual path. I guess. And Buddhism has really been helpful for me. Where, and if people don't know about Buddhism, for one, you can look it up. For two, it's not a religion. It's just like a calming way of being and taking care of yourself. That's how I look at it. Um, And so I just look at things different. I look at things like in the thought of Buddhism, you know, I used to blame myself a lot with her passing. And I, I don't feel that anymore. I don't feel like... I did something wrong or I messed up or something. It's just, and they talk about this. So this is my favorite thing that I've learned in this Buddhist stuff, which I'm sure I've told you about this before, but um, they talk about like, instead of looking at death as the end of things, looking at death as the death of something is the life of something else. And at first I was like, well, that doesn't make me feel better. (laughs) But he was talking about, I was like, you know, the death of, summer is the birth of fall and the death of fall is the Mm -hmm. birth of winter. And Mm -hmm. he's like, the death of a caterpillar is the birth of a butterfly. And I just thought, and so for me and not to say like, I necessarily believe in multiple lives. I'm not sure how I think about that, but I do think like the death of Bridie is, has been like the birth of me, of me learning things and figuring things out. Cause I feel like if you don't have hard things happen in your life, I don't, I don't know if I would ever be seeking to be more open-minded or be more spiritual or be, I don't know if I would have done that. And so I'm trying to, not that that's, because I refuse to say it was a blessing because I still don't think that. That's insane. But I, I like to think of, okay, well, if something has to die or if someone has to die, then something good has to come out of it. Like I will make that happen. And so that's how I'm, I guess, dealing with it is oh. now I'm like, okay, well, if that, ha- if that happened, which it's life, kids die every day. It sucks. But I'm going to, the rebirth will be me. It will be me finding my way and helping people and learning more. And you know what I mean? Yeah, so th- that's, that's helped me a lot. Weirdly enough, I don't know why. <laughs> that's not weird at all. That's actually beautiful. You like made me cry. <laughs> because it's just like that's the strength that you have blows my mind. To oh, say what some you days. Well, but like to say like that that's your birth. Like that's incredible. Well, it's been it's been a weird summer. Like I've told you, it's been super weird. But I so I'm listening to this podcast, I'm reading about Buddhism, and it's over and over and over talking about butterflies. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh. And every single day for like, what did I tell you? It was like two weeks. Mm. 
I'd sit outside and this white butterfly would come up right to my face. And I'm like, what? Am, am I like hallucinating or something? <laughs> I'm not on anything. <laughs> and I'd ask Kevin, I'm like, do you see this white butterfly? He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. So then I went one day to the cemetery just by myself because I like to go by myself a lot. And I go sit on the grass next to her grave and a white butterfly comes up. And I was like, okay, you, whether it's like reincarnation, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know how I think of those things, but I do just believe that, I don't know, that we're kind of guided in life to do certain things and to be certain people and to live a certain way. So There's, to me, I'm like, it's like a, a this butterfly thing. It's, it was like a guide because for, it helped me so much the thought of this rebirthing and butterfly thing that I was like, okay, whether it's her, whether it's the universe energy, I don't know. It doesn't matter to me. What mattered is it constantly put this into my mind that helped me to move forward. It meant something. Yeah. And you defined what that meaning was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the Buddha taught that death is the greatest teacher of life. It's deep. It if you totally- think about that for a second, like that is deep. Like there is nothing, and this is, it's a hard thing to talk about because in our culture, death is so bad. Mm -hmm. It's so bad because death is judgment. Death is heaven or hell. Mm -hmm. Death is how did I do? Did I perform correctly? That's death in our culture. Wow. That's a heavy load to put on something that everyone experiences. That is going to happen, that we cannot always control is just well and things die all the time that is every second of every day there's there's something dying outside of this house Mm -hmm. right now right and see that's what i love that's why i have like totally grasped onto this buddhism thing because to in buddhism death is great death Mm -hmm. is wonderful death is beautiful there's no judgment there's no none of that pertains to it. And I loved that. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. Well, if we have to go through this, then yeah, I want it to mean something amazing. Yeah. I don't want it to mean just sad and miserable and depressed right. all the time. That and, sucks. And it's part of the suffering experience, right? We all suffer. That's inevitable. Yeah. And death, there's suffering involved in death and beauty. Suffering and beauty are married together, right? They are one with each other. And and if you if you genuinely believe that death is a teacher, there's also no greater motivator. Because I mean, who knows what's going to happen? This may, you know, just as good as anybody. I know just as good as anybody. Like, people go. Yeah. And that's not something we like talking about. But well, everyone's so scared of it. Yeah. And I get go. it because it sucks. But I feel like, um, um, like in that book that I'm reading right now, he. Eckhart Tolle talks about how it's funny because he's like, if you're reading this book, you've probably had something traumatic like someone die. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's weird. He's talking to me. <laughs> and it, it did feel yeah. like that. But because he talks about, he's like, a lot of times we don't look for enlightenment without the suffering, which don't. Mm. And so it's like not saying, oh, sucks for you. If you haven't suffered, well, you're never going to be happy. And <laughs> not true at all. But for some people like myself, that has created this opening to try to find more enlightenment. That's given so. you, you've, you've taken it, you've written your story of it mm-hmm. rather than having the story written for you and it's made you, you. Yeah. 
So it's been it's been good. Damn woman. Like hopefully it gets better. <laughs> You're so freaking humble. It's you guys. Oh my hell! She is the most up. humble person. It's just annoying how <laughs> no. humble she is. She's like she like can't take a compliment in every damn life. Crying out loud. You are. You're amazing. You Thank you. Well, here's here's my next question for you. And we're gonna keep this train oh, rolling. Shit. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. This is what I do. How? So, okay, you get this. This is a thing for you. And your kids, they gotta get it too. How? What? What? How, what's that process like? I see. That's the part I don't know. Like, I wish. Sometimes I feel bad because I'm always like, I tell my kids all the time. I'm like, I'm sorry. For how I parent you, because I don't know. I'm guessing. I feel like I came from good parents. My husband came from good parents, but I feel like in any in any relationship, right? In any family, in any I don't know, any social circle, you can look and say, "Oh, I didn't like that they did this," or "I didn't like this about my childhood." Right? right? There's not that doesn't mean they're bad parents. It's just something you didn't like. Right. And so I tell my kids all the time, I'm like, you will have things. And I always say, there's going to be things I screw you up on. That's just real life. (laughs) But I'm like, all I want you to do is don't be bitter towards me, but fix, change it, fix it, you know, in your way, because that's what I'm trying to do. You know, not necessarily fix, but change. You model that for them. And so that's all I'm doing. It's like, I'm trying really hard, you know, when I'll be mad at my dad for something that's stupid, he says or does, (laughs) then I still love my dad. He's great. But I have to like take these mental notes and say, okay, I didn't like that. So I'm going to try to do something different with my kids. You know, my dad was, um, pretty, I grew up in a strict home Mm. and because of that, I didn't love it. I'm not very strict with my kids. Is that good or bad? I don't know. I'm, I'm not asking for other people's opinion, (laughs) but I'm changing how I was raised. Now my kids might grow up and say, my mom was really relaxed about a lot of things. And I think she should have been more strict. So I'm going to do that. Awesome. Do it. Like, no judgment here. I hope you do it different. I don't care. But I don't know. I don't... Sometimes I worry all the time about my kids being screwed up from what we've gone through with losing Bridie because it messed us all up. You know? That's something we've all gone through. But it's like one piece at a time, one day at a time, trying to figure it out. You know, they've... Multiple of them have gone to therapy to try to like talk through some things and learn some tools to deal with it. And I don't think that will go away. Right. I don't think it was funny. Our pediatrician, <clears throat> we were at a physical for kids, like nothing. Anyways, he's awesome. But he said, he's like, I feel like everybody in their life needs therapy. <laughs> he's like, everybody Amen. there, there's True. different times and you don't need it forever, but there are, we're born into this world and everything's thrown at us constantly, and we don't know how to deal with it. So why not talk to other people who have either done things and been through it or have gone to school to learn about things or just anything, just some, at least talking to people? Well, I think the thing about the therapy process that is unbelievably healing is you look at another person and you look them in the face and you say something that you never thought you would say to another person, and the other person on the other side goes... I get it. And if the therapist is any good, that therapist is going to be really genuine in what he or she is saying. And yes, it's a service and you're paying them to say that. And it's genuine. 
It is. It's it's genuine. And when somebody looks at me and and says, it's not a confessional, right? This is not it's not a freaking religious no. thing where you're going in and be like, here's all this stuff that it no, and that's not it at all. It's the opposite. It's saying, I've been judging myself so much, like like the bride thing, right? You blamed yourself. Yeah. yeah. For years. I've been judging and blaming and shaming myself for all of these things for so long. And you look at somebody else and you go, Do I still need to? And they're like, No. Let it go. It's okay. People suffer. Life freaking sucks. You deserve to be happy and you need to be sad to be happy. So be sad. There's nothing more freeing than having somebody else say, The way you feel is valid. Yeah. It's incredible. It's incredible. I've been on the other side of it and it's, 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 it's unbelievably freeing. And to be able to have the language to put to what you're feeling, that's not something that comes easily to human beings. You don't know how to say how you're feeling. And the tools to continue to say that. Yeah. It's like, I, I still, I mean, things like, like stuff, I still feel like I learn from you all the time where I'll be frustrated with somebody. And I'm like, I'm going to go and just tell them how I feel. I'm so angry. And you're like, write it down. Your <laughs> shitty first draft. <laughs> I just still it, run it around stuff. Write it down and then like, let it go. And that has saved so many relationships for me where it's like, oh my gosh, I'm just having my own little meltdown and I'm upset about something. Well, because your feelings are valid. Yes. and But getting them out, whether right. it's writing on paper or yelling it out to someone or just, just getting it out of your own body is huge. And so those tools, I just feel like, have helped me a ton. They've helped my kids a ton. And I, we're going to have to continue to learn them because as, yeah. as we get older, as we change, as life changes, well, sometimes we're going to run into things still that we don't know how to deal with. Yeah. And I'm going to need help some more. So, yeah. But I've been, I've been grateful that they have all been pretty open to getting help. I feel like that's been a big deal. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I've loved working with your kids and um, with the Brighten a Day Foundation and all the stuff that you guys have created with that and the families. And it's just, man, the, the goodness that comes from, tragedy never ceases to amaze me if we make that our story yeah if we choose because people don't people don't people let it i guess not let it they're everybody's doing the best they can i really believe that yeah i think um but tragedy can overwhelm people to the point of incapacitation it does it can it can completely ruin your life yeah and I think that's the and thing. And it doesn't most, have to. No. And you know what? Most people I've interacted with, it's been pretty amazing, actually. Like, so we had a family we, um, we, there's a lot of families that we've gotten close to and been able to interact with and have been so awesome for us, too. And there was a couple who they really struggled. Um, and well, I could probably just say their names, but anyways, because you know. But Wendy and Orlando, they struggled when their son passed away and it was hard and it was very similar to the way Bridie died. So that was hard and we really connected. And then just recently there was someone um, who'd lost their child that lives around here. And Wendy was the first one to text us and be like, what can I do? How can I help? What can I? And I just, it was like the coolest like circle because we, our life has been insane lately. And so we haven't been able to do as much as we would like to. So it was so cool to be like, it's just like this full circle of, 
you know, we helped one person, they helped this person, this person helps this person. And it's just like that continues to go on if we let it. And that was, that was a cool day. I was like, and she's like, I just, she's texting us and she's like, I just can't believe how far I've come that I, I want, I want to help people the way you help me. And I was like, oh my gosh, that was like the coolest thing ever. That is so cool. It was. And me and Kevin were like, and they're, they're doing so much better and it, you know, it's a continual grieving sucks, but it's, you find those really good days and you can do those things and it's awesome. Yep. Make your mess your message. (laughs) It's the best thing in the world, and that's why they exist. I get to find meaning in whatever I want to find meaning in, and I can take anything. Any one of us can take anything that happens to us and make it ours. You can totally do that. So I have an an idea that I'm going to throw out to the world. I haven't even talked to you about this yet, but I've been planning on dropping this live to see what you think. (laughs) I want to do a a brighten-a-day fundraiser um, but have it be a finding strength event. Okay. So this is my idea and I, we need help. So we need listeners out here to reach out to us and, and help us make this thing happen. I'm willing to put in the time and the effort. I want to do an event where people come out and it's like a group therapy event where everybody comes together. We have like a weekend thing and it could be a day, it could be two days, it could be whatever. And we meet for like four hours six hours, whatever people want to do. And we do therapy stuff. I speak, I get other speakers, people come. It's an inspirational small scale event. And it's something, if it's awesome, we could do it every year. And we donate all of it to Brighton Day. I think that'd be awesome. I think it'd be really cool to do. Just almost like a, yeah, like a finding strength, like motivational, like better yourself and connect. I feel like it'd be a good way for yeah, some people to cool. get together. Yeah, it'd be cool. And people, and I mean, and we'll do it. We, we have all sorts of places to do it. But, we, but if people want to help do this, I'm thinking of doing this probably in maybe spring, maybe late winter, like March-ish seems to me like a time where that would be doable. So finish out this season and then towards the end of the season do it. So anyways, more than anything, I, I figured you'd be down. Oh, for sure. Of course. But I wanted to put out feelers for the listeners and just see who reaches out and see if people want to help. Obviously, the number one thing we're going to need is we're going to need some assistance financially. So if you can't help out and you can't do anything as far as like give time, but you want to donate some funds, we are more than happy. Or if you have a place that you'd like to provide for us to do this at. Right. I mean, it could be a lot of things. Or if you know people who would be awesome speakers that would volunteer to come out and do this. The big thing is, is... I, I could make this like a huge paid event. I'm qualified to do it. I've wanted to do something like this for a long time, but I don't want to do that. I don't want this to be that. I want this to be different. I want it to be something where the people are there because they want to be there. The people are there because they want to speak. They want to help. Yeah. And I think, I think that could be super powerful. So let us know what you think. Uh, yeah, give us feedback. Let us know if you have any thoughts of like, I mean, we'll obviously be talking about it for a while, but on how to make this roll. Yeah. And who knows? It might not happen, but it's just uh, one of my crazy ideas, and I always have them, and I want to see where this goes. So we're throwing it out there. I love it. Awesome. Thank okay. you. Well, Good season to be back. three has begun. That's right. We got a few people lined up, so you'll enjoy listening to us. Get ready. Oh, and if you have ideas of people you want to hear, uh, let us know. 
we love to reach out to them and figure out how to get them out here and all that fun stuff. So, thank you. Yep. Till next time. Adios. Thank you.